Welcome to From the View Box with Hal and Chris. This is the podcast of the UMass Medical School Department of Radiology. My name is Hal Lowe from the Division of Emergency Radiology. And I am Christopher Cernelia from Musculoskeletal Imaging. Today's guest is Dr. Christopher Serini. Dr. Serini is a colleague of mine and a member of the Division of Musculoskeletal Imaging and has recently joined us a few years ago and today comes to us to speak on the topic of basic um, meniscal tears. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Chris. Great to be here. Wonderful to have you on uh, From the Viewbox. So let's get started. Um, I guess before we delve into uh, meniscal tears and abnormalities, how about we start off with uh, normal anatomy? Sure. I'd first like to talk about what a meniscus uh, normally looks like on MRI. The menisci are two C-shaped structures. They live in the medial and lateral tibiofemoral compartments of the knee. On MRI, there should typically be hypo-intense on all sequences, meaning dark and black. Let's talk about what a meniscus might look like on a sagittal view. Imagine scrolling in peripherally towards the center of the knee. The first thing you'll see is a black rectangle when you get towards the edge of the meniscus. As you scroll more towards the center of the knee, you'll then see the posterior and anterior horns. Now, they they should both look like triangles and come to a sharp point centrally. The sharp point may be important to call things like meniscal blunting or fraying, which are degenerative findings in a meniscus. On coronal sequence, the body will look like a triangle where the anterior and posterior horns will look more rectangular. On axial sequences, it's usually hard to see the meniscus because the axial slice has to perfectly line up with where the meniscus is, and uh, typically this doesn't work out that way. Great. So um, now that we know it's normal, um, how do we go about determining uh, when a meniscus is torn? What criteria uh, do we utilize to determine a torn uh, meniscus? Right. So there are basically two criteria to determine a meniscus tear. One would be an abnormal morphology. This kind of makes sense in and of itself. If a piece of the meniscus is not where it's supposed to be, that's because it's torn. So for instance, if a part of the posterior horn were flipped to the anterior horn, we would know that there was a tear underlying that. The main way we're going to call meniscus tear, however, would be unequivocal surfacing signal. That means there will be a hyperintense line or lines through the meniscus, but this has to reach either the femoral articular surface or the tibial articular surface to call it a tear. Sometimes they don't reach the articular surface. That may be due to meniscal degeneration, but not a discrete tear. Okay, so now we know that the meniscus is abnormal and uh, torn. Um, what, where do we go from here? Um, how do we go about uh, classifying uh, the meniscal tear? Right. Um, I think there are three basic types of meniscal tears, uh, which I'd like to talk about now. Um, we can think about all of these uh, in two sp- planes. One would be with respect to the meniscal contour. The other would be with respect to the orientation of a cutting blade. With respect to the meniscal contour, we talk about a tear being either longitudinal or along the C-shape of the meniscus or transverse uh, through across the C-shape of the meniscus. Orientation of the cutting blade will either be vertical or horizontal. So therefore, the three main types of meniscal tear we have are longitudinal horizontal, longitudinal vertical, and radial. A radial tear you can think of as a vertical transverse tear. To help you think of these, especially helpful in audio format, I'm going to describe each of these 
uh, with respect to a normal kitchen implement and to help you think of what the tear might look like. A longitudinal horizontal tear is like opening a piece of pita bread. It breaks the meniscus into upper and lower halves. All right. And what you would put in the middle of the pita bread was that, uh, is that hyper-intense signal representing the tear. So now you can imagine uh, the C-shaped meniscus being torn in the upper and lower halves and the tear running along the course of the meniscus, and that is a longitudinal horizontal tear. And as a fact to go along with this, these are frequently associated with parameniscal cysts. A longitudinal vertical type tear would be made by a can opener. So if you can imagine opening a can with a can opener, you can imagine this type of meniscal tear. So imagine looking at the C-shaped meniscus and opening it with a can opener. The, the cutting blade would be going up and down or vertically, and it would run along the course of the meniscus. So if you looked at this type of tear on a sagittal or a coronal sequence, you would see a vertically oriented up and down tear that would reach both uh, the femoral and tibial articular surfaces. All right. Now, to distinguish from a longitudinal vertical tear, the third subtype of tear is a radial tear. A radial tear could also be called a vertical transverse tear. To think about a radial tear, you want to think about a pizza slicer. A radial tear cuts the meniscus transversely. So if you're thinking of your C-shaped meniscus and you take a pizza slicer and you cut it into a few different pieces, the cut left by that pizza slicer would be a radial tear. The tricky part about radial tears is that frequently the plane of the tear might be exactly lined up with the plane of a sagittal or a coronal sequence that's scrolling through that tear. So very frequently, the way we see these tears is using a sign, something called the ghost meniscus. What the ghost meniscus is, is imagine scrolling through your meniscus and on one slice you get to your radial tear. The slice might not be perfectly aligned with the tear, so you, what you may see is a meniscus that goes from black to gray and then black to black. Or if it's perfectly aligned, you might see a meniscus go from black to white where the tear is and then back to white. So you might only get one slice or one chance to see it on a sagittal or a coronal sequence. So we use this helpful sign of the ghost meniscus to help know when it's present. Now, of course, it's really important to look on all three planes when you're looking at a knee MRI. So a radial tear might be more easily seen on one of the other three sequences. Those are some great descriptions, Chris. I really enjoyed the uh, food analogy and uh, kitchen utensils that, that really helps uh, me visualize the types of tears you're talking about. And again, those uh, principal tears are uh, longitudinal horizontal, uh, longitudinal vertical, and uh, radial tears. That brings me to, uh, I guess, the next question, which would be, uh, do all tears fall in one of these three categories, or are there additional tears or combination of tears that we need to be aware of? As you can imagine, noth nothing's perfect. Not all meniscal tears fall perfectly into one of these categories. For instance, there might be something that looks like a horizontal tear, but it's a little bit oblique, and we might call it an oblique horizontal tear or an oblique tear. Um, as long as we're meeting the criteria that there is surfacing signal or an abnormal morphology, we'll call it a tear. Sometimes we have to be a little bit descriptive. For instance, we might see something we call an undersurface tear, meaning this part of the undersurface of the meniscus is uh, replaced with signal, uh, high signal intensity. Um, going back to radial tears, sometimes a radial tear doesn't go all the way through the pizza slicer doesn't make it all the way through the meniscus. Someone started to cut a piece of pizza and decided they didn't want it anymore. So we'll call that an incomplete radial tear. 
So if you imagine your triangular meniscus on a coronal or sagittal sequence, you might see just the inner half of it uh, missing uh, instead of a full ghost meniscus, only the inner margin of it might turn into the so-called ghost. Um, and you have what looks like a blunted meniscus instead. Um, and then furthermore, you can imagine combinations of the different types of tears. And when we get um, into something that looks like a horizontal tear and the radial tear or just just very, very complex, well, we call those complex tears. And sometimes those are a little bit easier to call just because we don't have to spend time scratching our heads wondering is this perfectly horizontal or vertical. And um, they're just very degenerative in appearance. Fantastic, Chris. So uh, when you do encounter these complex tears, do you just read them out as complex tear or do you provide um, additional detail or characterization? And uh, is there any uh, specific type of tear that um, you tend to go in more detail with when there are complex tears? Uh, how do you go about uh, handling those cases? Yeah, if I can, I'd like to further classify it as I can. So very frequently, I might say something like a complex tear of the medial meniscus with a predominant longitudinal horizontal component. Or if there's a radial tear, particularly if there's a radial tear through the posterior root of the meniscus, that's something I always like to mention. So if there's a very complex tear of the meniscus, but there is a tear through the posterior root, I'll make sure I always say that. Um, so for instance, my impression might say, complex medial meniscus tear with radial component through the posterior root. Okay, great, Chris. Um, that actually brings up a question I have for you. And that is, have you noticed any um, areas that residents have difficulty with, either with detection or interpretation um, when reviewing MRIs? Or um, do you notice any areas um, that are commonly overlooked? Well, to piggyback off of what we were just talking about, I think that meniscal root tears are very important to, uh, to diagnose accurately, and they're very important to look at. And it's something that can get overlooked if you're not used to looking at knee MRIs. So, one of the first things I stress to residents when we're looking at a knee MRI is to follow the menisci all the way to the posterior root. Posterior root especially. The anterior root is a little easier to see. The posterior root can get a little bit hidden with the cruciate ligaments nearby. Um, but we really want to make sure that I follow the meniscus all the way to the posterior root and watch it attach down to the bone. Um, posterior root tears are really important to diagnose. Um, when there's a tear through the posterior root, basically the integrity of the meniscus can uh, be compromised and it could uh, lead to osteoarthritis or worse outcomes down the line. So that's something we really want to point out to the ordering physician. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Chris. I certainly think as the residents uh, first start interpreting MRI studies of the knee, they find that the um, evaluation of the meniscal root, particularly the posterior root as you described, as being challenging. And even at the advanced level, I find sometimes the, the fellows can have uh, difficulty identifying more subtle, um, incomplete tears of the uh, posterior roots. That's a very good point you make. So that's all the time we have today. Uh, I want to thank you for coming in uh, to talk to us on meniscal tears. Really enjoyed uh, the discussion that we had, Chris. Um, hopefully the audience uh, enjoyed it as well and found it um, helpful, uh, particularly those uh, descriptions that you uh, provided for the, the three principal types of meniscal tears. Uh, love to have you come back and uh, talk to us uh, a little bit more in depth on, on these tears and some of the sequelae, if you would like. Yeah, sure. We have a lot more we can talk about. Uh, for instance, we can use these same three categories we just went over to start talking about displaced tears. And kind of as a teaser for that, um, I'll go over them really briefly. A longitudinal horizontal tear 
can become a displaced tear called a flap tear. The longitudinal vertical tears can displace into bucket handle tears, and radial tears can displace into what we call parrot beak tears. Great. Um, like the little teaser there, I'm actually looking forward to uh, having you come back and uh, talk to us more about uh, displaced tears. Um, once again, I really appreciate you coming in, Chris. I hope you enjoyed your time uh, on uh, From the View Box and look forward to having you back. Thank you for having me. I'll come back anytime. And that concludes today's episode. Thank you for listening and supporting From the View Box. We've attached additional reading materials to the episode notes as provided by our guest. And please visit us at www.umassmed.edu backslash radiology. Thank you to our colleagues Charlene Barron, Tom Delaney, and Dan Ramsaran for their technical assistance. See you next time.